This is Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 40. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Monday, April 27th, 2020. You can listen to the Galloway Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. So take a listen and share on those three platforms. And folks, the sports world may not be up and running, but the headlines certainly are. So no sports, no problem. We've got plenty to discuss here on today's podcast. We're going to talk about the NFL draft and the Jordan documentary with ABC 3340's Patrick Brickman. We're going to look through uh, a couple of headlines of what's happening in the world of sports because there are a few things I want to hit on. And normally we close with around Alabama athletics. There is one point to make today, but obviously Alabama athletics are finished for the academic calendar year. So go ahead and jumping right into things here on the Galloway podcast. The NFL draft took place and the SEC dominated. We'll talk about that with Patrick here in a moment, but also in the world of the NFL, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski are headed south to Tampa Bay. I still can't believe that the Patriots traded Gronk, a player that was not even on their roster for a fourth round draft pick. I mean, if that's not the most Bill Belichick thing ever, I don't know what is. But Tom Brady and Gronk are going to be in Tampa Bay. That'll be fun to watch that duo get back at it, uh, just like old times. So we'll see what they can do down in Tampa Bay with the Bucks. The Jordan documentary has been phenomenal. So many quotes, so many things, lessons learned, history, um, especially if you're around my age. I mean, things that are applicable to learn and it's just, there's just so many takeaways. I could talk for hours and hours and hours about how great this documentary has been, how educational it's been, uh, but we will spare that. We'll talk to Patrick about that and get his opinion as well from that phenomenal series by ESPN. Uh, college football looms overhead with plenty of uncertainty. Look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. I don't know, you know, what's going on, but we're hoping for the best for college football. Alabama's certainly circled September 5th in Dallas versus Southern California on its calendars because we're hoping that's when the season will start. So we will see about college football and the uncertainty that it currently presents. Kyra Lewis Jr. signed with an agent, so he is officially out at Alabama. We'll talk about that in Around Alabama Athletics. And also the PGA Tour will resume in June. No fans at the first couple of events. Um, the Masters has moved to November, and the golf world is trying to kick things back into gear, and that's a positive sign for all you sports fans, and we're hoping for the best, and other sports will hopefully follow suit. But for now, we're going to kick it over to Patrick Brickman, interview here on the Galloway Podcast. Joining the Galloway Podcast now is Patrick Brickman, a sports reporter and producer at ABC 3340 in Birmingham. You can follow him on Twitter at Patrick Brickman. Patrick, how are you? I'm good. How are you, man? Happy to be on here. Absolutely. Welcome on. I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, summer is underway, if you want to call it that, uh, at the University of Alabama. And um, it's kind of kind of a weird time, but sports are certainly on hold, but the news is still coming in. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, I know you're a big Dolphins guy, big NFL guy. Yes, sir. How are you feeling after uh, last week's draft? What has it been, three, four days? I'm still walking on air, man. I really am. I am a... Uh... I keep looking over at my wife at least two or three times a day and looking at her and just going, I can't believe it. 
I still can't believe that for the first time since uh, that I can remember, honestly, that I can remember uh, feeling like my team has a franchise quarterback. I know they did the Tannehill thing. I never really believed that he was going to be a guy that was, you know, a top 10 guy in the league, even when he was with the Dolphins. I still don't think he is now with the Titans. I'm too young to really remember Marino. He retired in 2000. I was eight. So, I mean, yeah, I sort of have bits and pieces I remember him playing, but not really. So this is a... This is pretty unprecedented for me. I'm excited, man. That was a huge get, and the Dolphins didn't just get Tua. I mean, they had so many picks, and they got so many guys. I mean, three first-round guys getting Igbenogany, too, at the end of the first round there. Uh, but Austin Jackson, I mean, so many guys. We talk about Raekwon Davis. Um, overall, like you said, you're walking on air, but just from a Falcons fan's perspective, what is it like to have such a successful draft in a franchise <laughs> that struggled for so long? The scares of Justin Herbert going to the Dolphins late were, you know, the the rumors were flying around and everyone was talking about, you know, who's going to trade up. There weren't that many trades overall in the draft. Were you surprised that not many teams traded up, especially looking for a quarterback? I was shocked. I mean, I, I honestly, I had convinced myself completely that, you know, the Dolphins would have to move up to three to get them. I thought uh, the Dolphins, the Chargers, and even teams like the, uh, like the Raiders were going to be sort of jockeying with Detroit at three to try to move up to that, to that spot. And, uh, I don't I guess credit the Dolphins front office for throwing out all those uh, smoke screens. You had no Kuiper, you know, literally two days before the draft, his mock draft still had uh, Justin Herbert going to the Dolphins. He, only, he, didn't, he didn't change that to two until literally the day of the draft. Um, all the Dolphins beat writers uh, were, were saying Herbert. I was, you know, shaking in my britches thinking that, uh, you know, they were just going to draft some other tall, inaccurate quarterback with all the quote-unquote traits that can't play uh, they can't play winning football in the fourth quarter. No, not at all. And they got, they got plenty of protection um, on the line. They've got pr- plenty of skill guys, guys from all over the SEC as well. But let's talk about Tua versus Burrow because you look at Burrow, who had just an outstanding season, beat Alabama, and that was you know one of the pinnacles and kind of what put him um, in that number one spot in the draft. But – in all reality, if LSU hadn't beaten Alabama or Tua stays healthy, does Tua go ahead of Burrow? I fully believe he does. I think Tua was, you know, Tua was the number one. I, I, Tua was the Heisman front runner every single week that he was a, a healthy starter at Alabama. I mean, he was he was very transcendent. Um, and, and I think most really, I don't know, experts would agree that uh, a healthy Tua, had he not gotten the hip injury, had he just sort of stuck with the two ankles, and uh, he would have been the number one pick of the draft. He was that coming into the year. He was that preseason before. Um, Tua versus Burrow is an interesting argument. Honestly, like, you know, Burrow's big knock is really nothing that he did his last year. It was ever. It was his year before. His first year starting at LSU was, was just sort of substandard. So it, it, at that 
depends on how much you care about their entire body of work, right? If you if you look at that, too, has got him by a landslide. He was, you know, miraculous both years in Alabama that he started, and, and Burrow was uh, mediocre one year and then transcended the next. Um, but I, I do think, e- e- even if, you know, let's say everything was a wash and, and, and LSU still had beaten Alabama and Brian Denny and LSU had still gone on to win the national championship, but if Tua hadn't had that hip injury against Mississippi State, I still think he goes number one. Just with the hype and everything surrounding him, really his big knock was just the injury there. And and initially everybody thought that that injury would, would knock him much farther than five, so that's sort of even a testament beyond just how well he's healed, how well he's handled the process since that injury, and, and you know how well his PR team has really you know put him back to the talk of being a healthy starting quarterback in the NFL to still go top five in the, in the draft. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting is you hear all about all these injuries, you know, days leading up to the draft, agents will say, oh, well, you know, Jerry Judy had this with his knee, and I, there was something with Jerry Judy, I don't remember exactly what it was, uh, but people are saying, you know, people had this injury or they had that injury, they're looking for every minor detail to try and cut these guys out, um, but obviously, like you mentioned, to his to his marketing team, all his people, they did a great job. Uh, what was your What was your reaction to his uh, his celebration and his his family viewing party? <laughs> uh, it was it was very subdued, I suppose. You know, a lot of people have been making memes about uh, about his dad, and you know how he was you know straight faced the entire time. Um, I, but I actually did see it was one of the the local Miami stations saying that. Uh, uh, his mom had mentioned to them that Miami was the place they wanted to go, which I guess makes sense. I mean, they're from Hawaii, and there's no city more like Hawaii in this country than Miami, so I guess they'll fit in there. Uh, I, th- I thought I thought uh, a lot of the um, reactions were pretty funny on how subdued they were. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, obviously, uh, very straight-faced. Who's another one? Uh, Derek Brown, like, barely showed any emotion. He just put on his hat while everybody's going crazy around him. Did you enjoy, did you enjoy the way, you know, the, the virtual draft? I did, I did, and I, first I want to say the the biggest one to me was Rugs wearing the Old Spice robe. Right. You know, no oh, telling how gosh. much money that raised or how much money he got from that from <laughs> Old Spice. You know, I enjoyed it. It's a it's a from a something that you and I can appreciate, like a TV production standpoint. It was very well put together. I mean, because. Um, you know, it's there's never been anything like what we're going through, and there's never been anything like a virtual NFL draft. And so it was very well put together. I liked getting a taste of people's homes and seeing what their reaction was because you don't see really the genuineness of a person when in the real NFL draft people are trying to compete with who has the best looking or craziest suit, and you know people are left in the green room. Imagine now. I know Fromm wasn't projected first round. Imagine if he was though. And he was, you know, got all dressed up in the suit and went to New York and then didn't get picked till Saturday. Um, right. You know, it, t- it takes away that element of it. And I think the personable aspect of going into the players' homes, I think, was really cool. Uh, except for Joe Burrow's house. I mean, that looked like the most <laughs> typical Ohio house, like the most humble first round draft pick house I could have imagined. Uh, it's going to be funny. You know, the NFL sort of got a. Uh and ESPN and all these, all these, um, you know, uh, NFL Network, they sort of have not a not a uh, not a problem, but you know, I think that most people would agree that the, the, the virtual draft, that product, was, was probably better than what we normally get when they do this thing at Radio City Music Hall, or you know, last year like Nashville was cool, but I mean, just the you know, like you said, the personal. 
spiritual touch to it all. It really, really, in the end, sort of, I think, meant a lot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. They're supposed to be going back out to Vegas to have this thing, but I'm interested to see what bits and pieces they take from, from this experience and incorporate when we now go back to our very corporate draft the way they've normally done it. And maybe they could mix it up and do, you know, some from the location, then do day three at, you know, the house or whatever. Roger Goodell was cracking me up. I mean, he changed <laughs> outfits within the first five minutes. He had his little M&M bucket. There was, I think, a picture on Twitter where he had a card upside down, the one where he was slouched in his chair. I mean, also, Goodell had, I don't know, years to figure out how to pronounce Tua's last name, and he couldn't do it. Oh, you knew he was going to mess that up. Oh, of course he was going to mess that up. He said he settled in a little bit. He was clearly very nervous when it started out. He, he settled in throughout the weekend. I mean, he got Igbenogany right. That was um, impressive. So we were wondering if he was going to get that one right. He, he nailed that one. Um, I would have loved yeah, to see yeah. the Vegas odds on you know him pronouncing his name to his name wrong. That definitely. Oh, you know there were prop bets on it. That definitely would have been something to to throw some money on. Um, <laughs> That was, I, you know, that personable aspect and, and throwing the fans in there was it was a good touch too. So overall, you know, very solid production. Trey Wingo had a really tough job. Yeah, he did. But um, Wingo's good. Wingo's Wingo's one of the best at, at going on the fly. He did good. I I liked how they had the college game day crew too on ABC. I would watch that. Um, you know, to try and figure out how each guy applies. You know, whatever from the how it translates from the college to the NFL, um, and the NFL guys would talk about how what you know what each player brings to their team or program, whatever. Uh, the worst thing, though, the absolute worst thing, and I think we can both agree on this, yeah. was these sob stories. These guys are having you know the biggest moment of their lives, and ESPN's talking about how families face drug addictions and there's death in the family, and while all those things are a part of who those players are. That's not appropriate for that situation in any circumstance. Uh, it, it was it was really shoehorned. It was really like I mean, I, listen, I get, I understand the uh, the importance of, of telling these guys stories, and you know, you, you, you do the piece on uh, on Henry Ruggs, let's say, you know, and, and you but but you have you know you you need to have these players talking about how it drove them, right? Henry Ruggs lost his friend in high school, and that drove him to be a better athlete, and you know. And, and overcome obstacles. If you can do that and tell that story, that, that's amazing, and, and that's exactly why you have them, and that's why sports are great. But when you just shoehorn it in on a graphic and, you know, oh, my gosh, poor Wingo has to just kind of say it with sob music and then write back to, you know, all right, Mel Kiefer, break this guy. You know, yeah. they, had a, yeah. they had one that ESPN even apologized to the T. Higgins one. You know, they put up a T. Higgins graphic, and it's talking about how, you know, his – uh. His, his sister, his mom was a track star and all this stuff. And the last one says, yeah, his sister was a track star. And the very bottom line says his mom battled drug addiction for 16 years. His mom's Camilla. They put his mom's name on there. Just <laughs> what? made sure you knew exactly who that was. The battle, you know, hey, congratulations, T. Higgins. You're going to the, to the Bengals, I think. Uh, by the way, did you know his mom was a you know pot pills for sixteen years? Come on, man! That is ridiculous. I mean, it's just <laughs> on so many levels wrong. All levels wrong. Um, Chenault, the guy from Colorado, so somebody in their family like contracted West Nile virus in two thousand eight, and they put that up there. I mean, that's <laughs> it's an interesting. It's an interesting fact for sure, but not on draft day. I mean, again, yes, if you just if you just say it. 
besides the guy, that's no effect. You I need mean, to hear from them about yeah, this. Yeah, and, and maybe saying to his first name actually has 18 letters in it. Okay, whatever, who cares? But, like, that's something cool. Don't talk about family struggles. I don't know. But uh, let's <laughs> right, you can come up with another interesting fact. Good point. Patrick, of course, the NFL draft was a huge success and kind of something that sports fans had been looking to and had on their calendars for uh, most of, you know, ever since they've gotten back in quarantine. Uh, but another thing has been this Jordan documentary when ESPN announced that they would move it back up. What have been your takeaways um, through four episodes so far? Uh, thoughts and takeaways from the Jordan documentary series? It's, it is so just, it, it's a, it's a galvanizing thing right now that, that I don't think I expected you know, it to be oh, when I first learned about it months ago, right? I, I didn't know it was going to be this uh, sort of phenomenon, which is what it's become, really. I mean, you've got people that, that, that don't ever turn on NBA basketball in their lives, you know, tuning in on Sundays now to watch this thing. Um, it's it's awesome. You know, I know that you and I are both uh, young, handsome men that didn't really get to see Jordan in his prime. Um, I don't know that, uh, I guess... I really only caught Jordan at the tail end of his career, so I don't even know that you would have you would have caught that at all. And it's just sort of cool to see these these moments that we've heard about, right? We've always heard about things like the flu game. We've always heard about things like the sixty three points against the Boston Celtics, but we just sort of heard about them as stats. Right? We didn't hear. Well, I, I don't know about them really as stories and the lead up and the way that this his career ended and all this stuff and. You know, we, we've become so um, uh, intimately involved with LeBron's story and LeBron's tale because we're more, you know, his era. We know everything that happened there with, with, the, with the heat and the way he came back to Cleveland. And one day there will be kids that hear about everything that LeBron did sort of in passing. Oh, yeah, LeBron went to the heat. Oh, yeah, he had the decision. But they don't remember everything leading up to it. So it's really, really cool. And I think we're going to start to sort of see a lot of people uh, – our age and younger sort of get to know Jordan a lot better. It's just really cool that we get to have this now, especially in this time in the world and the way that stories can be told and all the people that agreed to sign up for this. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm super excited. I, I, I get, I get, uh, I get really, really, uh, excited every single week when I get to watch it now. I think it's so cool that you mentioned like the stats and everything, how, um, you know, we hear about that, but to hear it through Jordan's perspective and how, you know, it related with Scottie Pippen. And, and like you said, you know, we know, yeah, Jordan played with Pippen, but we get to figure out exactly the type player Pippen was. And we learned in that first week that like Pippen went to that small school in Arkansas, started out as a manager, right. you know, grew and was discovered. And then is now in the NBA. You don't hear things like that. You just hear, oh, they were a tandem and they worked together really well. Uh, another thing. I didn't know that for, for, for what, six years that the, that the Bulls got away with, with essentially, you know, highway robbery on his contract. I just Criminally underpaying one of the best players in the history of the NBA. Right. And it's, you know, we know about, uh, we know about the, the big three in Miami, but all those dudes were getting paid, right? right. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Warriors, you know, Steph Curry's on the Supermax and he's still got, you know, uh, Durant and they, you know, everybody's making a max contract there, you know, and then shoot, you know, uh, this whole time, uh, Scotty Pippen's getting away with getting paid like, uh, shoot, Robert Covington. I don't, I can't know. Probably not even as much as that. Guy. The 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 one hundred twenty second highest paid player in the league at the time in the nineties. 
And, and it just makes Jerry Krause looks like Carol Baskin. And you, we, the, the name Jerry Krause didn't even come into you know households and, and names like mine who feel like I know sports, but you just you learn so much more. And Jerry right. Krause is now a common enemy. It's one of those things you think the whole time. Well, I, at least I do. I'm like, man, can you imagine if Twitter had been around during that? Oh my gosh! Those, so many, so many things would have been uncovered. I think a lot of things would not have happened the way they did if they're in social media. Oh, and and another thing too is Jordan. He's he snitches on everybody. You know, he talks right. about. You know, go what happens on their road trips and in hotel rooms and, you know, what they did, you know, just all these gory details, relatively gory, that I don't want to get into, but nobody's safe. Could you imagine these players sitting there with their families watching this documentary? <laughs> no, that wasn't me. I, I wasn't I wasn't Jordan's teammate like that. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> right. That that no snitch policy really is, is thrown out the door uh, with Jordan. Have you seen episodes three and four that came out Sunday night? Uh, no, that's on my DVR for tonight. Okay, um, well, super there is a uh, there's a story incorporating a certain player from the '98 team that involves Vegas, and I'll let you take a guess who that player is. But <laughs> yeah. that that story is uh, is pretty revealing and kind of took the internet by uh, by toll last uh, last I had, night. I had to stay on Twitter uh, come eight o'clock yesterday because I was caught up doing some things for work and didn't get to watch it and. Uh, it's happening tonight when I get home, though. Well, good. That'll be that'll be a good thing to catch up on. Uh, I know they mentioned, I think, episode five. Um, they talked all week about how Rodman would be kind of the focus of this week. Kobe comes into play next week. So, you know, go to the store, get your Kleenex, and right. uh, get ready to watch Kobe next week. But I'm excited. We still have six more episodes, so three more weeks, and then obviously we can watch these, watch these for the rest of time. So... Yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen a uh, like I was calling it a sort of a sort of a phenomenon. I don't know that I can remember a sports documentary having this sort of impact as quickly. You know, I mean, OJ Made in America was big, but it wasn't. Maybe it's the timing, but I really don't even think it's the timing as much as it is just the the subject matter and then just the intrigue that one will go still still goes into Jordan. You know, twenty years after he hung it up. Absolutely. I know, like, they talked about ESPN, I think, tweeted this week that Kobe had uh, a camera crew follow him around in his last year. And obviously, the tragedy that came this past January, there's going to be something like this in a couple of years. And they might, you know, try and get that process moving along. I'm sure LeBron is going to have chronicled, you know, feature on him. Um, but Jordan, I mean, it's just so been so cool to learn everything about him. Patrick. Uh, any any predictions on what coronavirus is doing in this world, how it's going to affect summer sports, college sports, things coming back? Oh, boy. I mean, it, it, we're, we're, we're in a time where there are so many questions with no answers. You know, you could ask me and you can ask Mark Emmert and we'd give you just as much, you know, beating around the bush because there, there is just – we just don't know. I, I mean, my guess, my guess is that we're, you know, going to see – I don't even have a guess. I, I think I think it's much more likely we see NFL football start on time than we do college football. Um, you know, the big tell. And this this is this is something that I can sort of emphatically say is, is you know if it, if William Galloway's back on on campus uh, in September, then there's a good chance we'll be seeing football in September. But if you're still taking online classes, I, there's just no way. I mean, there's just logistically you can't. You can't. I mean, you can't explain that. You can't go. Well, we're going to play football, but we 
we've already said that we won't let people in, you know, in classrooms. And right. You can't do it. Right. I mean, and you, you can't you can't play college football games. With, I don't think that playing college football games without fans is an answer. It would be a fine for the NFL. That's professional league, and, and everybody that you know participates is getting paid, and they know what they signed up for. But you cannot ask college athletes to go do that. So if there are people talking about college football no fans, I don't consider that to be feasible no not at all and you know i really want senior year to happen i want college football i want everything back pga tours starting up in i think june uh and kind of kicking into gear but we'll see what happens um and uh and and we'll be around so patrick thank you so much for joining the podcast and uh appreciate all your um miami dolphins fandom nfl draft (laughs) insight you know talk on the jordan documentary this is this is always fun Anytime, man. Anytime you want me on, I'll be on. Absolutely. All right. Well, enjoyed it, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Great conversation with Patrick there. A lot to discuss. Of course, he's a huge Dolphins fan, and so his excitement really makes me laugh because Dolphins fans really have not had anything to look forward to um, in a long, long time. So congratulations, Dolphins fans. And uh, Patrick's not just jumping on the bandwagon now. I want to throw that out there. That is important. Uh, We mentioned earlier in What's New that Kyra Lewis Jr. will be signing with an agent. So the sophomore wraps up his time at Alabama and is headed on to the NBA. I believe he's got plenty of first-round projections, will be a first-round draft pick, and will be a talented point guard to whichever team decides to pick him up in the upcoming NBA draft. Also, Greg Burns said recently in a tweet that Alabama athletics and Alabama football is preparing for its fall season as scheduled. Of course, uh, nothing is final yet. Nothing has been determined, but the preparation is taking place as if the season would start on September 5th. So that announcement coming from Greg Byrne via Twitter is some encouraging and some hopeful news for some Alabama football fans, but that's really it because most all spring sports are finished and college athletics currently is in wraps for the 2019-2020 academic calendar year. This is the Galloway Podcast. Today we looked at what's new. We talked with Patrick Brickman about the NFL draft and the Jordan documentary and then briefly hit on some points of Alabama athletics. I hope you all are staying safe, staying well amidst this coronavirus, and I hope you uh, could find some joy in this podcast and could it could provide a little spark in your day and hopefully your quarantine is going as well as it possibly can. Before we close, I want to mention and give a quick shout out. Uh, Eleven in 2011, not just nine years ago, tornadoes ripped through the South and the state of Alabama. On this day, it was um, a day that really shaped Alabama uh, into what it is now. You know, a lot of uh, darkness and sadness and death went into that. April 27th tornado, but a lot of good has come out of it in terms of bringing the state together, bringing the community together. And uh, we just want to take a moment and remember those lives that were impacted, um, lives that were lost, businesses, families, things uh, that took place on this day just nine years ago on April 27th, 2011. So say a prayer for the victims and the families and the businesses that uh, were affected just nine years ago. And uh, on a positive note, we're looking forward to hopefully a bright future in the sports world. There's a lot going on, so stay tuned here on the Galloway Podcast. We will have more interviews and more podcasts in the future. This is the Galloway Podcast. I'm your host, William Galloway. And as always, there's a right way, there's a wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Galloway.